truth seekers. Welcome back to another episode of That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. My name's Jamie. My name is Bree. And we're two sides of the coin. Bree? Yes. What the fuck are we talking about tonight? I wanted to say alien messages, but how about like, what are a lot of the same downloads you can say? What are what are a lot of these aliens or abductees Like, saying? what are they trying to say to you? Like, what, what are the aliens at the end of the day, what are they trying to tell you? What is the overall message here? Yeah. I will pre-start this episode saying that we attempted to record this episode a week ago. Mm. Didn't go very well. No. We have an hour-long recording of me and Bree screaming at each other. Yep. Very aggressively. Yes. Although, if it makes anyone feel better, at the end of it, we literally just laughed. We did. <laughs> and Bree even said, Bree was, was like, like uh, if this was anyone else that I argue with, I probably wouldn't be friends with them anymore. I'd probably be like, okay, we're... Uh. We're done. I, how am I supposed to get over that or whatever? Yeah, and we immediately just laughed just at like, it. We're just like, anyway. Yeah, back to our story. Yeah. So let's attempt for the second time to okay. do this goddamn episode. Yeah. Let's start with some of the people that have regular contact that we're well aware of. So you're talking about maybe like ET channelers or... Yeah, or maybe even just different abductees that are in the scene that have been, you know, traveling around for a decade or more now for a few decades that go to different conferences and they share their stories and there's always like an overall message that you're left with. Yeah. So I want to start with Jim Sparks. Okay. He had his abductions in the late 80s. And he was also an older person by then. By then, when I say older, so let's just say, like, 30s. I don't mean, like, old, old. Like, but, we're older. But it, yeah, <laughs> but it's, like, 30 years into your life to then have an abduction experience is pretty big because you've gone this, you know, you've gone that far already with no experience. That you remember. That you remember. Mm-hmm. That's a very good, good thing to say. Mm-hmm. So... Jim Sparks has a very interesting abductee story because he remembers 90% of all of his abductions. Yeah, everything that happened. Yeah, which, which most is, people today, no way. Yeah, a, a lot of people, I mean, they have to go through serious regressions and thing like, things like that to remember it. And he remembers his so clearly and so vividly that it's really remarkable. It is. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. So for probably seven or nine years of his abduction experiences, to him was absolutely terrifying, dreadful, and it was miserable for him. So what's interesting about his story is it goes on for so long of almost like he was tortured by the experience. Mm-hmm. But one thing I thought was really cool is from the start, they were kind of teaching him a new language. So they would give him a symbol and be like, draw this. Well, he wouldn't draw it, and then they would, you know, make this weird frequency in the room, and it would drive him absolutely crazy. Until so it was like, he drew it? Until, yeah, over and over and over again. So okay. it was quite horrible, as you can imagine. But what these symbols were would basically condense, let's just say, an entire book if you had this one symbol or a few symbols, it would just condense that entire story into one. So they were almost like making their own alphabet, I guess you could say. Okay. And he realized over the years that he knew it. He eventually got to a point where they were like, okay, read this and what does it mean? And he like was able to say an entire story and realize like, oh shit, I guess I'm really learning something here. So they, so they kind of forcefully and aggressively... Yes. Taught him a new language, basically, without him even realizing that's what was going on. Yeah. 
And for the longest time, he was just really stubborn about it because he was like, no, like, fuck you guys, you know? Like, mm-hmm. why are you making me do this? Mm-hmm. And because they would put him through a series of different, like, scenarios and whatnot to get him to do this. Mm-hmm. And then he realized over time that he could. And what's interesting is for the longest time, he had this, you know, experience where he knew that they were coming. And then he'd black out for a second, wake up again, and he'd be in the ship. And then he knew when they were doing different experiments on him, you know, like he was still like not able to move. Or Mm -hmm. he would be able to move just his arms, but he couldn't like, let's say, like get out of a chair. Mm. And he eventually got to the point where they would just let him walk around the ship. Because he'd been there so many times that it was just like, all right. If they had trust in him at a certain point Mm -hmm. where they knew that he wouldn't do anything anymore because of how many times he did try and he learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one experience you talked about where he almost was calming a bunch of abductees. Like, all of them were there and they're freaking out and he was like, going to them like it's okay it'll be fine like this is gonna happen and it'll be okay it almost sounds like to me that he's kind of like their pet dog and that they taught him tricks yeah and and like now he's like a support puppy for the people who are coming in exactly he's like it's okay just calm down like this will happen yeah almost like it's happened to him so many times that he found himself in a different place of being like it's okay. I he know this is weird. He fighting it and just accepted it. And then it. when he accepted it, then he moved past the state of fear. So for, you know, the longest times, his stories and the whole experiences was god-awful. And then once he switched his perception, started to grasp a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, he just felt like a complete victim and they were just messing with him and all of these things. And then he started to see their actual goal, what they wanted to accomplish. One thing that's very interesting to me is he recalls a situation where he was almost in like a gymnasium, like big room kind of thing, where it was just full of, you know, seats and like almost like computers. Mm -hmm. And the military was there with these beings that were taking him. Mm -hmm. And everyone would sit in these chairs and they would show pictures of like beautiful planet Earth and like the most gorgeous pictures. And then they would switch it to it being completely destroyed and just destruction. And I think they were testing out people's emotional responses to that Mm -hmm. and they were almost like forcing them to watch this Hmm. his now his message is more to abductees like it's horrible and it's mostly because we don't understand it but there's always a bigger purpose and what he was taken away with is that we're supposed to be taking care of the planet and taking care of each other and almost like this is what it was like before you got here and it's beautiful and then look at all the horrible things in the world happening and look at what can happen interesting so you're kind of saying that his overall message that he was getting from these beings and these abductions and and things like that were always about bettering the planet yeah His big message is that the rainforest is kind of like the heart of our planet. And that's where all these crazy, you know, environments are just flourishing and how we're kind of taking advantage of that and mostly just trying to preserve what we have here. And I think a lot of that probably also has to do with war. Like, look at what can happen if everyone wants to use their nukes. Like, we're just going to destroy the planet. Well, I think we've even said so many times that we're kind of convinced that that's kind of what happened to Mars. Yeah. That there was a big nuclear war that happened. Yeah, or catastrophe or something, something to do with nukes, and it completely just destroyed that planet, and that's why it's a big, giant desert now. And it's interesting that it's so close to us. It's like this constant reminder of, like, this is what 
we can turn into. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good middleman because he he is very honest about how horrible his abductions were. Mm-hmm. But then he also moves past that state of fear, which I think is going to be the biggest thing when it comes to abductions. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's once you get over that initial fear, fear that's when the real work starts. Yes, and then you can accept and be more perceptive to what the real goal is. And it's not as threatening as we think it is. I will say that if an alien came down right now and just took me, I'd probably be scared. Absolutely. But if they took me and Brie at the same time, <laughs> I think I'd be okay. <laughs> Can we get a really quick interview for the podcast? Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> while you're at here. Least 10 minutes. But I think if I had Brie with me, I'd probably be less scared. Yeah. Because I think I'd be like, okay, we know what's going on. But yeah. I think if I was by myself, terrified. I'd probably be terrified. Yeah. To this day still. And that's honest and that's real. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I do like about his story is that he's very honest and real. Like, yeah, it is scary, but it's that's not the only thing. Like, if a portal opened up right now in our little studio, right? Like, right now, like, hole. And, like, a little alien poked its head through. I don't think me and you in this moment would necessarily be scared. We'd be like, what the Yeah, I think we'd be like... All right, I guess that's where we're going, Brie. And I think we'd both just kind of be Climb like, in, all right, yeah, let's get it. Yeah. But I think if we were by ourselves and that would have happened, we would probably shit our pants. Yeah. We'd feel very inferior. I think that's the ultimate thing is when people go through their first abductions and they're by themselves, they just feel like they're completely inferior to them. Because most of the time they can control like your motor functions. Maybe the reason the aliens don't necessarily abduct me and you at the same times is because they know that if you were there, I'd be real sassy. Ooh, get a little ballsy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, like, I have Brie she's by here. Herself, like, she's yeah, she's real quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I got Brie here. I'm be spitting be, jokes at them. That'd be interesting though if we actually have been taken together and we just have no. I mean, probably. Of it. Probably. Yeah. You have to remember all of our weird experiences that happen around the same time with each other. Yeah. And I mean... I know. That's what... There's just a big open door full of questions and just darkness. That we'll never really have answered, and I'm okay with that. Probably. Yeah. Like I I've, agree. What, whatever answers I've gotten so far, like, I'm okay with. Like, I don't need a... I don't really necessarily want to go any deeper. Like, I'm cool. I understand what's going on on the surface, and, like, let's just accept that. Right. And so it's different in this time now because we're more open and there's so many stories. But I think back in the later 80s... That was really the first, like, big explosion of those things happening and people really being isolated about it. Yeah, and you have to remember that it's a time where information was starting to be freely traded. Yeah. Not as common as it is now, but you're coming from a world where if something about a UFO happened, your only way of really knowing about it would going to be... You know, was it on the front page of the newspaper? Or right. did they talk about it in a TV show or a late night show? Or like you'd hear it on the radio or something. And they didn't necessarily talk about those kind of things in the late 70s, exactly. early 80s. So imagine you're just so alone with it and just feeling pissed off. Like, why me? Yeah. And then and then you get this thing where TV starting to become bigger and you have more than one channel that you're watching. And there's options out there. And people are getting pagers and, you know, all sorts of things. And Yeah, it was a big There's switch. phones inside cars. And so there's your return into this age of an era where information is freely traded Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden more and more people can talk about it. Whereas before, I think that 
when it happened to someone, it was very, it made you isolated and it made you lonely because you didn't know who you can talk to. Whereas today, I think there's such more of an open market for it where you you can go out there and people are going to respond yeah, have, to it. they have support groups and mm-hmm. whatnot. And Sherry Wilde is another abductee that goes around in his conferences. And what I think is interesting about her story is she also started having her abductions in her later 30s and in the late 80s. It's the exact same time frame. And... I thought it was very weird that it was the exact same time and both of them were at this stage in their life where, you know, they've become grown and they accomplished so many things. They were both business people. She was a realtor. She reached a state in her life where she had all of the things that she really wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want a really nice car. All of those really earthly nice, things that yeah, we talk really about. Yeah, a really nice house. She had, you know, two daughters. She had a husband. They worked hard to be where they were at. And Probably she was went really on night pleased. vacations. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he was in the same situation. And then all of a sudden, later on in your life, then you get hit with these weird abduction things, and it just totally turned everything upside down for them. Mm-hmm. Sherry also talks about... Well, I guess they don't really have the same message, but she does go through the same thing of feeling like a complete victim and moving past that. At some point, yeah. Yeah, she had a a situation when she was 17 of missing time, and she told her friend about it, her best friend at the time, and it wasn't until she was in her 30s that, I guess, a big center for UFO studies had come to the her town because there was a huge wave of sightings Mm -hmm. and they wanted to speak with people that had missing time and then she became obsessed with her missing time and her friends like you ought to go and meet with them like you of all people and she was like why would I do that like I don't you know I don't believe in that that's not what happened the worst thing that happened is like I was taken advantage of by a bunch of guys you know well that's kind of like your big missing time moment your one big missing time moment that you have that you play kind it's of always over in a car yeah <laughs> The car stops, which is what happened to her. Her car stops, and she um, thought and that you there didn't was tell, men stopping people. And you didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah. And you didn't even talk about it. And there was, a f- it was a fully packed car, was it not? Yeah. It was, and no one ever made one comment. Yeah. Ever to and this it's, day. It's so interesting, and I think that's what also bothered her was that that happened, and then she never talked about it. She almost like forgot forgot about it for years. Do you think that you would ever go back and ask any of those people at this point now in your life? I don't know. I really don't know. I think you should. It's hard to say. Even if it's just one person. And it I feel like the more time goes on, the more it becomes more of a blur. But that's why I think Like I feel their faces are blurred now too. I don't know. I think I feel like eventually I'll forget who they are. I think it would be a decent time for you in your life, especially considering how much more open you are with talking about this kind of stuff, that now is a better time than any to just even to just put it, it out there. Like, yeah. what's the worst that they're going to do? Say that they don't remember? Then that's fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we've gotten over the fact that we're worried about people thinking we're crazy. So that's off the table now. Yeah, maybe I should. Like, how, like, think about it, Brie. You talked to, it was what, four other people in that car? Mm-hmm. You talked to even just one of them. You know what I mean? Even if they just say, I don't remember, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right, but the chances of someone, if they do say, I do remember that, that was Like, I've never talked about it, and I've been waiting my entire life for someone to say something. But how weird would it be to trigger all these memories? Because that's what happened to Sherry. It was, like, completely black, and then she went into regression, and she was blown away that... She was abducted, and it opened up a can of worms for her, and her life changed ever since. But at that same time, I think and you think that everything happens for a reason. So maybe you were meant 
to bring it up to them, to open up their highest, higher consciousness and remember those things. That's Whether true. or not it opens a can of worms or doesn't open a can of worms, sometimes people need that. That's true. Like it could trigger a whole awakening experience. Mm -hmm. So who are you to deny that from them? Maybe that was your purpose. Ooh, who am I? Yeah. How dare I? So even, like I said, I so even, even if it's one person you talk to and they don't remember anything, at least that's a part of the story. Maybe then they'll ask themselves, like, is she crazy or... Hmm. Or do I really remember something? And then they say they don't remember, and then maybe a month later they're like, holy shit, Brie. That would be really cool, actually. Exactly. All right, so maybe I'll tackle that in my next I chapter. Want that, that's your homework. <laughs> Give me some time. We're constantly doing work here, guys. Give me guys. some time. I have to track these people down. Yeah, so I definitely think you should probably contact at least one of those people. I think I'll look into it now. It's a, it's a good point. But really quick, I just want to also just wrap up with Sherry. She's mm -hmm. a, she has some really good books. Um, her main book is called The Forgotten Promise. Mm -hmm. Her message, her big thing is to stop being victims. And she always says that there can't be a perpetrator without a victim and vice versa. We have such pity on ourselves and horrible things that happen, but maybe we're just looking at things from an earthly perspective and like on a bigger scale, it's not that bad. It's either something that we wanted to go through to get over and have different experiences and also to trigger that in other people around that are also experiencing that happen. Mm -hmm. Basically, like live in your power. Stop feeling sorry for yourself mm -hmm. or stop feeling sorry for other people mm -hmm. and stop making everything else like, oh, they're the bad guy or... Yeah, stop putting, again, for the millionth time, putting things into boxes and categorizing things. Why does someone have to be a victim? And why does someone have to be the aggressor? Maybe it's neither one of those things. At the end of the day, we're all just beings. Yeah, I think that's her biggest message. And of course, it's always like, you know, raise your consciousness, which I think is a big message from Corey Good as well with the Blue Avians is mm -hmm. just that it's just raise your consciousness and that it starts with you, your mind, your heart, then there's an outward reaction. Yeah. So instead of us always trying to change everyone else around us or like, oh, we got to get the government on board. We got to get, you know, this and this and this, that it's like the real change happens inside of you and inside of your consciousness. And once you raise that, you raise your vibrations, you live from more of a love perspective and be more service to others that you're stopping kind of like the wheel of karma and that there's an outward reaction that happens throughout just the planet and other people yeah i love the blue alien message <laughs> blue alien mystic i love the blue avian message yeah alien. i love the blue avian message i really do all right, so speaking of that, why don't you talk a little bit about Corey Good? So Corey Good, um, we mentioned him on our Dream Timing into Interdimensional Realms episode. One of our most listened to episodes. I know. I think we need to do another um, episode on dreams. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are really interested in that because yeah. a lot of people have dreams mm -hmm. about things. And then they realize, well, maybe that wasn't just a dream. Like, that could be maybe a past life experience, a simultaneous life experience. We've even had some of those where me and Brie have been talking about stuff. Like, remember when you were talking about the dreams of you had the little girl whose mom got shot? Yeah. And then we were like, oh shit, what if that's a past a life? A past life. Mm -hmm. A past life or, yeah, like I said, a, a simultaneous life or maybe something that will happen in the future. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So yeah, we should, maybe that's coming in the near future. Mm -hmm. So Corey was a part of the Secret Space program. He Secret was Space program. He was recruited as 
as a child, um, which he then later realized that it ran in the family. There was mm-hmm. you know, military interactions. Always going back to bloodlines. So, yeah. So they basically used him to go up into space, and he went through a series of things. And then when he came back, it was like 20 years had gone by. He calls it the 20 and back program. Almost like he, there's 20 years of everything that happened, and then he came back with like no time that had gone on. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird to think about. If it's you, like almost the opposite of losing time. It's like all of a sudden you've time. gained a bunch of time and then you're put back on earth and you're like, wait, but 20 years went by. Where what? am yeah. I? And no one else is like, what do you mean? Like, you were here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So he's in contact with the Blue Avians and their big message is that we have to lift our vibration because there's a lot of changes that are happening on the planet. A lot of energies that are planet is shifting in like with the galaxy like we're moving into a different energetic pole i think that what a lot of people don't understand is that we as a planet are not just floating in space (laughs) we're free falling at all times constantly moving where we are right now in space at this second is not where we're going to be in the next second right and i think people forget that they just think that we're a big spinning ball up in space yeah, and that we're, we're always in the same place. Yeah. It looks stationary because everything is falling yeah. and we're all falling at the same rate. This is f- extremely fascinating. Isn't that? It is. And I don't think a lot of people understand that also. No. So it's like we're moving through this different space of energy and different things that are available to us. And so it's kind of like you got to get on board. Like you have to be able to move with the energy. Um, A lot of people talk about this. Actually, Sherry Wow does as well that, you know, this whole like ascension thing that we're going in, it's just because it's a different cycle. And it's, you know, like people refer to it as, let's just say the golden age, like if you want to connect that with the Maya, it's. It's like we're, we go through these different cycles of descension and ascension. So mm-hmm. different times where we're a little bit more dense and we're super egotistical and we don't think about anything conscious-wise. And then now there's like this big wave of people that are thinking more on the conscious aspect. Mm-hmm. We're looking up, we're asking questions, and we're having more interaction with other beings and we're being conscious and remembering that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, their biggest message is... You gotta raise your vibration. You gotta You're work. Blue avians. Yeah, blue avian is you gotta raise your vibration. You gotta get on board with this. You know, get yourself in check. Stop the wheel of karma. Meaning, try to be more service to others. Try to live more of a better life in general for yourself by you taking care of yourself, your heart, and your mind. By you getting that in check, it changes things around you and it has a ripple effect. Even just by witnessing how much you've changed and how. Maybe you're a lot more loving and forgiving and compassionate than you used to be. I think other people witness that and then they think about when they're doing something that maybe, you know, they could have handled differently. Yeah, the shit rolls downhill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, hey, we're going through this different ascension period. There's a lot more energy that we're moving through and there's a lot more that is on its way. Yeah. And that we have an opportunity to switch as a planet into this higher dimension. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, we got to get our shit together. We have to think of each other as a whole. And that doesn't happen until you 
change yourself individually. Yeah, and I don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon because I think that us as a planet and these people have been around for a long time and they've been trying to throw this message out there and to tell people. And I think ever so slowly, it's like person by person it's going. But I think what a lot of people, especially a lot of these, you know, ET channelers or experiencers or contactees and stuff like that, really want it to happen on a faster scale. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we're kind of starting to see now. I think that it's been this slow crawl for the past hundred years. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're having this crazy awakening moment where everybody's like, all right, I'm on board. Let's do this shit. Yeah. And I, I definitely think it's important. It's like, how can you say that it's not a good thing to move in a higher direction? No, I agree. You know, and I just love the whole message of take care of yourself because when you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of the grander... Well, yeah, if you're taking care of yourself, then in turn, you're taking care of the people around you. And then those people are taking care of themselves and those people are taking care of the people around them. And it creates, like you said, this ripple effect of everyone. Like, kind of reminds me of there was this commercial. I don't remember what the commercial was about, so obviously it wasn't a great commercial. But... (laughs) It was like one person opened a door and saw an act of kindness. And so then someone else saw that and then they did an act of kindness. And that that person that they did it to, it went on and on and on. And you really see something as simple as, you know, kind of like the butterfly effect. Yeah. Where it's something so small that you do and it starts a chain of events that you have no Mm -hmm. control over, but in a positive direction. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, One thing I do want to say, though, is that this whole like blue avian concept or um, movement, if you want to call it, Um, a lot of people get too caught up in the blue avians in general, Mm -hmm. and it starts to build almost like this cult type of situation. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think that people do forget is that Corey, what he says over and over again is that he's not a guru. And that the main message that the blue avians always have for him is one, they don't get involved up close because they tried that in the past and all we did was drop on our knees and worship them and make them into a bigger godly type of symbol. That we really have to stand in our own power and that we can create positive things to happen. And what he says over and over is like, get off of your knees and realize that no one's coming to save you. Mm -hmm. It's about us saving ourselves. Yeah, I think that that's like a big thing, especially like in the religious community, kind of all religions and why they're kind of, I guess, afraid to accept that aliens are real is there's this fear that they're only here because they want us to worship them or they want to be a version of God or something like that. And I think that a lot of them neglect to do the actual research Mm -hmm. and to understand Mm -hmm. what's really going on. Because when you go back and you look through all of these messages, Mm -hmm. time and time again, it's we're we're not a god we're not here to save you we can help guide you and to tell you in what direction you need to go in but mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of the day whatever that god you're searching for is inside you yeah and you have to raise that up to save yourself yes that's the overall message that i definitely get from all these different et channelers and people that have had these abduction experiences is that yeah you you know, stop giving your power away all the time. What I was trying to say with the Blue Avian um, message or movement is that people, I think, 
can take Corey for trying to be another, you know, like another guy out here, like I have all the answers and like follow me and this is the new alien to worship and stuff. But he says over and over and over again, I'm not a guru. It's not about me. It's about the message. And that's what the blue avians tell him is this is not, not about you. You're just trying to carry forth a message that... You're just the messenger. Yeah, you're just the messenger. There's nothing special about you that isn't special with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important for people to, you know, grasp that don't get caught up in the savior complex again with maybe, you know, oh, I'm afraid of the whole God thing, but then I'm into aliens, but then I worship them like they're gods. That's equally wrong in my own opinion Mm -hmm. is you're just switching out a different deity. deity. And I I just think it's really, really important for people to to kind of grasp and, and try to steer away from moving into more of a cult aspect that's not the point here because i know some people are like oh yeah cory good he just wants to be like follow me and and he's like no don't just take the message but don't like don't follow me follow the message and people still do that anyway mm-hmm. and he tries to it's remind people like you guys you're you're doing exactly what they're telling me that this isn't do. supposed to happen mm-hmm. you know stop worshiping me stop worshiping them and people do if you look online people start to be like they're gonna come save us and they're helping us yeah they're helping us by thinking a different way but ultimately it's like they're not gonna land and save you Mm -hmm. they're just not and i think that's hard for people i think a lot of what i hear from other people is why don't the aliens just come down and you know then all this stuff will happen because people will realize that we're not alone in the universe and they could really help us like get our shit together it's not that easy yeah and and that's what i hear over and over again why don't they just land and tell us all and then everything's good and it's like no you have to learn these on your own yeah it's not they're not here to give us all the answers they're literally only here to push us in the right directions yeah and just like hey look at this this is important yeah they're just trying to help a bitch out they're just like hey guys hey I remember when our planet went through this stage. Exactly. Like, let me let me help you guys. I can't get you there. You guys have to do that on your own, but let me give you guys some tools to move forward. Yeah, and I think that's really, really important. You know, Jamie did mention earlier that a lot of people don't do the research into the actual message. And so I think it's just played over and over again that, you know, they're abducting people, it's horrible, we're victims, but yet they're so smart that they could just come here and save us all. And I think that maybe more and more people should start doing the research and really get into detail and start to actually learn the yeah, real get, message. Yeah, get down into the nitty gritty of things because I think what a lot of people take away from these stories of people who, you know, are claiming to be abducted or contacted and things like that, they're taking all the shitty parts of it. They are sensational the bad parts of it. They're Mm -hmm. talking about these abductions and these horrible things that happen. But then when you finish the story and you get down to the ends of these people, after all these things happen and them being back at home, I think that we forget as a society to ask, like, what have they learned overall? Like, we understand your bad experiences, and that was talked about a lot because as a society, we live in a world where we love negative news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that we forget to pause and really ask these people, like, what is it? that they told you that you're taking away from this. And I think that time and time again, when you do the research and you go into these different people, you know, Corey Good or Jim Sparks or Sherry Wild or, you know, 
uh, Wendy Kennedy, like, at the end of the day, all of it is, is take care of yourself and take care of your planet and let's get us to a higher consciousness. Yeah, all of the ET channelers, that's exactly what it comes down to is you guys have the power to, you know, make a change and do better. And it's not up to us. We're never going to come and land and be like, here's the way. And it's like we're so stuck in and wanting that, but then at the same time, just looking at the negative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just time and time again. I mean, the bottom line is take care of yourself, take care of others, and a part of taking care of yourself is taking care of others. Mm-hmm. Not in like a selfish way, but more like getting your own head right, getting your own heart right, and mm-hmm. living compassionately. I think it's so much easier for us to love everyone else Before we love ourselves. Yeah, but it always starts with yourself. I think people really, really neglect that. Even though we live in a society today that we're constantly telling people, you have to love yourself. You have to love yourself. I think people still don't grasp that Mm -hmm. necessarily. I think that you don't, like, you can truly love other people once you love yourself. And once you're happy with the person you are, it makes it so much easier to take care of the people around you Mm -hmm. because you've figured out your issues and your problems. Yeah. And so that's why I also think is a big message is like, you got to start with yourself. You got to start loving yourself. Don't just be forgiving of other people. Be forgiving of yourself. Yeah. And I think a big thing, too, is you guys, you know, especially people who are maybe not in this community, stop watching all of these TV shows and movies and these things that make it seem like whatever is in space is negative. Mm hmm. I think that we have to get away from that storyline. Absolutely. I think that we need to flip it on its head and show it for what it really is. And what it really is is something so positive and so life-changing and so meaningful. And I think we just have to stop being so negative and focusing on all these negative things that happen and start asking people what the bigger picture is. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You look at a positive side and you start to live a better life. It's yeah. like it's like why do we want to stay in the mud? I don't I don't understand yeah, that. I, don't get I it. think it's just really important of course to be in the mud. They say no, you know, no mud, no lotus. But it's moving past that. It's mm-hmm. not staying in the mud and digging your feet in there and feeling so sorry for yourself and the world's so shitty. It's being in the dumps and then pulling yourself out of that. It's like that's when the magic happens. Mm-hmm, exactly. When you crawl your way out of that dark fucking hole, clawing your way to the top, that's where it begins. And I get it, it's hard. I think that's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. is to move past that. It's so easy for us to stay in that icky, nitty-gritty. Sometimes when you're in like a deep, dark, muddy hole, it seems like it's easier to just sit there and get comfortable. And the hard part is trying to climb out of it. And I think that people don't want to do that hard work. But at the end of the day, that's what all these messages that are coming from extraterrestrials and beings and space, it's about putting in that tough work Mm -hmm. and getting over it and moving forward. And it'll just make you so much stronger. And who knows the things that can happen with us. I think that's another thing that they talk about is our potential is so mad. We can make things happen and we take that for granted because we're stuck in this lower vibrational state Mm -hmm. and it's like you guys are actually special too like we're not just the smart special ones you guys are too and you can get there but you gotta move past this part where you are right now Mm -hmm. and i think yeah it's just so much easier for us to just be like 
I'll throw the hands in the air. Like, yeah, I can't. But I do, I will say that as, as a planet, I think that we're beginning to start to crawl out. Yeah, I do too. And I think that that's the cycle we're in now. And I think as long as we keep that momentum, mm-hmm. you know, but I think what we need to do is stand on each other's shoulders. Like we have to help one another out and get us all out collectively. So that's what we talk about when it's about taking care of yourself first. Because if you're that first one out of it, you're that first person to reach back down and help to start to pull other people out. So we can raise our consciousness, get on a different vibrational level and become more. And I think that's exciting to know that we have such a high potential and that we're each starting to walk on that path. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode too, is just to get a different, a different angle of the same story. Yeah. We want to stop focusing on the negative victims and, oh my God, look what happened. Look how horrible this is and get past and get to that point where none of that matters anymore because we start to understand the overall picture. And, you know, so I mentioned Bashar on our hybrid episode, I think. Daryl Anka is the channeler. He channels Bashar. And one of the highest messages that he also says is, like, live in your passion. Like, just do what you love. That's what's more important is that you live in that space where you are truly happy about what you're doing and then everything else just flows from there. Mm -hmm, Like, the root of everything is love and the love that lights you on fire like I mentioned and that was a big thing that you know when we interviewed a blue alien mystic about he said that you know when he saw the visions of the being that came to him inside of the submersion takes that the one thing they were saying is like do your passion be happy Mm -hmm. and everything else will extend from there will fall into place Mm -hmm. so that also you know ties in again with taking care of yourself first it's like live in that space and the sky is the limit Stop holding yourself back. Stop being a victim. Understand that you are creators. You can create things to happen. You just have to make that choice. And then you have to actually do the work. I think that's kind of a good way to maybe kind of wrap up what we're talking about. Absolutely. You I know? Agree. I agree. Definitely. Let's, let's leave it there and let's just try to focus on that. You guys, just do what you love, even if it's a small thing. You know, you love to sing, sing more in the car. It's it's little things like that, I think. And then all those little good, happy things will start to stack up and then more and more good will happen. Mm-hmm. It's about putting that positive energy out into the universe. And being able to manifest what's in your mind has a lot to do with what the state of your mind is in. So if you're in a negative state and you're putting negative things out there, negative things are going to come to you. But if you are constantly putting your mind in a positive state and wishing positive things in the universe, you'll start to see those positive things start to happen. Yep. It's getting out of the victim mentality. It's just move past it. Exactly. All right, Brie, I think it's that time in the episode. What is it, Jamie? It's Factor Sci-Fi. All right, Brie. So our Factor Sci-Fi of the day is, did NASA's Curiosity rover get pictures of alien fossils? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. All right, Brie, have you seen this picture? No. All right, take a peek at it real quick. Okay. So as you know, we have the Curiosity rover that's kind of been inching its way over Mars and taking pictures and sending them back down to us. So we all know in the space community that NASA scrubs the fuck out of some pictures and then sends it back to us. That necessarily <laughs> the pictures that they're actually taking of Mars aren't even really in this bright red color. 
I know, that's crazy. That it's actually getting filtered before even getting shown to us. Mm -hmm. So we can't necessarily say that that's even the color of Mars. So a lot of people have a hard time with these pictures that the Curiosity rover gives because they don't know whether they've been scrubbed or edited. They know that there's filters over it. But like, if you look at this picture that it, that was just taken of Mars, it's on our Instagram. That's not red. Not at all. That is not a red planet. So let's start with that so we don't have the red filter on anything. That's the actual color <laughs> of that planet, okay? And what it looks like is it kind of looks like fossils. It looks like mm -hmm. fossilized bones almost. Yeah. Now, what's hard about this is you don't really have necessarily a scale of what you're looking at. Yeah. This could be something really small of a picture, or this could be something way big. high up and big, and we don't know what we're looking at. But when you first glance at it, it definitely looks like some type of fossils. Yeah, I agree. But I think when you're throwing in that factor of not really knowing the <laughs> ratios of what it really is, it's hard. Because then I go back and look at this and it kind of almost just looks like rock formation. Yeah, oh my god, I was gonna say this. Like just something kind of, like, I'm not gonna lie, that kind of looks like a dick. Oh, wow. That looks like a dick and balls. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. But like, you look at it and it, it almost just kind of looks like that's just how the rock maybe naturally formed, and over mm -hmm. years of sand blowing over it, it could have made a weird design. Yep. You never or, really know. Or it could have had some crazier types of, you know, things going on that maybe you could see a better picture, and they scrubbed that part out. Mm -hmm. So they gave you that picture, mm -hmm. and then you could easily explain that away as rock formations. Exactly. And because, you know, it's kind of like when you look up at the clouds and you can make certain shapes and you're like, oh, that's such a dinosaur. You see the mouth, you see the eyes. It's, it's like it's naturally we make things and shapes and we plug it into our database of what we think things are and then we see it that way when really it's just clouds. Yeah, it's just clouds. So I don't know. Honestly, part of it looks like a fossilized poop. Another part of it looks kind of like a metal rod that could be poking out and got cut off and then full-blown just looks like a dick. So what my question to you is, okay. would our factor sci-fi, would our bigger question here be Based off of that photo, do mm -hmm. we think it's fossils? Or in general, do we think that there's fossils on Mars? Okay, so that's two different ways. I'm going to say just for the factor sci-fi, we're just going off the photo. Okay. Is that photo pictures of an alien fossil? Okay. And then we can talk about the bigger picture. But I think if we're just talking that picture... What's your verdict? Middle bitch. Ooh! I have to middle bitch it. Love it. Because per usual, anything's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I can look at that photo and I can understand why people would think it was fossils. But mm -hmm. then I can also look at that photo and be like, that literally looks like a picture from the Mojave Desert where someone just took a picture of a it rock. It does. Like, you don't have that bright orangeness that you see from normal NASA photos. I mean, NASA could have just literally taken this photo anywhere and sent it to us. But then it's like, why would NASA do that? A lot of people are saying that NASA forgot to scrub it out, that this was a bigger picture that somebody oh. zoomed in, in and saw a little corner of something and was and like, like, what's going on what here? What is this? Mm -hmm. Again, but I refer back to... You look at that picture and there's no red. Even like the sand in the background that you're looking at, there's no red. So I'm already kind of thrown off because it's not NASA's normal red filter on everything. But what about the fact that Mars is not as red as we perceive it to be from afar? Yeah, exactly. That's why I say NASA puts those red filters on everything. Because actually when you're standing there, it's not as red as what it looks like far away. Just like our planet Earth isn't blue. Yeah. You don't get here. You actually get here and you see greens. Everything's green and brown. But it's not necessarily 
blue. It's not the blue marble. Exactly. So I think that we have this perception because we see pictures of Mars far away as a whole, it looks like a red planet. And that's why NASA puts a lot of those red filters on a lot of pictures mm. because they're trying to maintain that what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Because I think that if they would have just given us normal pictures without that red in it, we'd have a lot more questions. And NASA as a group, of course, is trying to, oh, although, although ah. give us some information, is giving us that information to keep us quiet and not ask questions. So do you think this could be a photo that could be legitimate? and they forgot the red filter. That's why I'm kind of middling myself on it. That's why I'm middle bitching because I just don't know. When I look at that photo, it doesn't scream fossils to me. It screams, what the hell is that? Yeah, what the hell is that? And why does that look like a dick imprint? Oh my gosh, why does it look like that? It looks literally fossilized poop, dick, pole coming out of the ground. Go ahead, swoop that real quick, Brie. Tell me those aren't the three things you see. It really does. Fossilized poop. It does, actually. The weird pole coming out of the ground on the bottom looks like it was chopped off and, like, you could see the metal. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. that looks almost like... Like a pole, like a like a pipe or something coming out, and then a full-blown, just fossilized dick stamp. Yeah. and But you know what? There's even, like, a, a crack or a line mm-hmm. through a the rock. A demarcation of mm-hmm. the line. Oh, that's interesting. So it's just an interesting picture, and I think it's important that we look at it. But I have to middle bitch myself, and I, are you going to middle bitch yourself as well? I'm going to say that's not a picture of a fossil. Okay. So does that mean that I'm You're sci-fiing it? Yeah. So, okay. So I don't believe that that photo in general... Is a picture? Is a fi- picture of a fossil. But now we're going to talk Ooh, on a bigger scale then. I'm already middle bitching myself, though. Yeah. The more I say well, it... So, so here's the thing. So if we're just referencing this picture, I middle bitch because I say anything's a possibility, and you're going to say that's not a convincing picture of fossils to you. But now let's talk Ooh, bigger picture. Yeah. I think that there is fossils on Mars in general. I don't necessarily think that that's a picture of fossils on Mars. That's where it turns. It turns yeah. when we're going from just the question of the factor sci-fi, or we're talking Mars in general. Mm-hmm. And Mars is kind of a hot topic for us because I think that we've both done a lot of research and we've seen a lot of things with Mars. I mean, I I don't know if you guys, as the listeners, know, but there is a Google Maps version of Mars. It's called Google Mars where Google has started to map all of Mars and you can go in and look at all these pictures up close and dissect them. And people have found so many crazy things. Yeah. So many things. Things that look like giant tunnels, like giant like glass tunnels that the spiral underground. The evidence is extremely compelling. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you dive deep into it and you look into it, it's undeniable. Yeah, and it just it's a deep rabbit hole that it I is. don't necessarily encourage people to go into. I do. Because do it. it's it's... It's a lot, and you go to a deep, deep, dark place where yeah. you start to realize. Some and then shit. you're like, "What the hell is that? Is that a tunnel d- deep into ground?" Like, then you start thinking, "What's inside Mars?" I, I think that that's when it comes down what's to the rabbit hole of Mars. Is it's not about what's on the surface. The it's surface underneath. doesn't matter because everything on the surface has been destroyed. And that next question is, is well, what the fuck else is there, and where could yeah. it be? And the only other option is underground. underground. And I think there's enough. There's enough strange anomalies on the surface to get you there, to yes. get you to question mm-hmm. that, and to lead you down the path of, mm, I think it's extremely likely, if not a for sure fact, that there's something underground. Yeah. Whether that means that there's life or not, I think is a big toss up for me mm. because I think that maybe there could be all these underground things, but what if it's all abandoned? What if there's nothing left on that planet? Right. You know? But then you also have to think, especially with like the secret space program, what are the possibilities that were already on Mars? 
Oh, yeah. A lot of people already speak of these bases on Mars. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting if, I mean, if we're only shown one side. Like, what if they're like, okay, let's draw a line here. We'll dedicate this side of Mars to have nothing going on, just dirt planets. And this is what we show everyone. And this is what we show everyone. Mm -hmm. But really, the rest of the planet could be filled with different bases, different, I mean, there could be complete civilizations happening over there that they're doing all this crazy shit on. I will say that Astronomy I on Instagram says wouldn't jump to conclusions, but it's possible. So they've middle bitched themselves as well. Mm. So we're all just a bunch of middle bitches over here. Because it's hard. Like, when you're open-minded, you see some things and you're like, no. And then you think, well, wait, how am I just to say no? How am I to close the door because it seems out there and because what I'm shown doesn't prove that? It comes down to what you've been shown. That's where I think things get really tricky because we know that we can only work with what we have been shown. Exactly. Because we can't fly out there ourselves at the moment. So it's like all we know is what we're given. Yeah. And we can just kind of make these different theories and assumptions based off of that. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it very difficult. I agree. All right. So that wraps up our Factor Sci-Fi of the Day, guys. Brie. Let's get into the conscious quote of the day. So today's conscious quote of the day is going to be by Wendy Kennedy, who Jamie listed off earlier. She mentioned her name. She's an ET channeler, and she channels ninth dimensional Pleiadians. Which and is where Bree's from. <laughs> Allow the external world to be a mirror for you, to reflect back all that you vibrate. Be present in the now to view the reflection so that you may actively acknowledge where you are and consciously choose your desired vibrational destination. I like that. So I think that has a lot to do with what we said earlier, which is kind of like we always say, actually, Mm -hmm. is what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're putting out there is is what what manifests. Yes, exactly. It manifests. manifests. Yeah. So it's try to think of everything as a reflection. So sometimes I I feel like I'm put in situations and I react like I'm a little salty about it and I'm like, ooh, and I find myself being judgmental. And then I think back, wait, this is triggering something in me that is still lies beneath. So like maybe when I realize that I start to get a little materialistic, I now I've been putting myself into check like, wait, you're getting caught up in this like matrix facade again where you're placing importance on that materialistic object or what that means, when in reality, it doesn't mean anything. I try to take that as a reminder to myself. That's deep down in you, and it's reflecting back on you. And it's being present in that moment to realize that, to realize what you're seeing is literally a reflection of what you're feeling inside, Mm -hmm. and also what's lying deep underneath you Mm -hmm. that maybe you're not conscious of, but it's very well there. Yeah, and I've always been the biggest proponent, and I'll say it a million times again, it's about your vibrations. It's about what you put out there, and that's what's created. If you put out a vibe into the world where anything's possible, then you're now living in a reality where anything's possible. And I think that that's an amazing space to live in, and we all just need to get there. Yeah, because then we stop closing doors and keeping them shut, you start opening them and it's like, holy crap, the possibilities. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like be present in that moment and realize that maybe it's not about everyone around you and what they're doing might have a lot to do with yourself and about what you're thinking inside. And it's reflecting back onto you and then you're just placing blame in everyone around you. Again, going back to the victim role. Mm -hmm. It's, It's them. 
it's how they're acting. It's that they're doing this and I hate when people do that. It's probably just because that's already in you and that pisses you off and now it's reflecting back to you because that's what you've been thinking and that's what you've been putting out into the world. Exactly. So it's taking that responsibility and realizing that and then it's checking yourself like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I right now on like a vibrational scale? Mm -hmm. And then it's choosing to be different because then you're choosing what's going to happen next. You're choosing what's going to happen the next day or, you know, what follows next in your life because you realize that it starts with your own vibes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, whoa, cut it down. I see that I'm just reflecting everything that I am inside. So I'm going to change it and I'm going to do better. And then you're going down a path of what you want to see. Exactly. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with what we talked about here today. Yeah, absolutely. You're not a victim. Stand in your own power. Make better choices. Love yourself first because it will reflect outwardly. Absolutely. And you'll be able to love other people. Exactly. Unconditionally. It's a good piece of advice for two schmucks and a mic and Brian Jackson. Ooh. Ooh, speaking of my fa- my favorite part of our episodes, let's do some fucking shout outs. Per usual. <laughs> per usual, right off of the top, because it's scripted. Two schmucks, schmucks and a mic. Two and the lovely no Brian Jackson. Two schmucks, no fucks. All right, so let's, uh, let me just, for a second, let's just talk about these fuckers. Oh my um, God. I sent you whiskey. So we're going to call this Whiskeygate 2018. I sent them whiskey in the mail. It got broke and they sent it back to me. They don't believe it was sent back to me. Although I think the reason they sent it back to me was because it was illegal for me to mail alcohol, not necessarily because my alcohol broke. Oh, interesting. So I went into the UPS store with the whiskey, with said whiskey, unwrapped in a box and tried to go mail it. And they told me to go fuck myself. They said it is illegal to mail alcohol (laughs) unless you have a special license. I cannot put it in the mail. Yep, so she found a way around it. So I knew that Darren, Big Daddy Darren, was going to have an issue with this and wasn't going to take my, hey, I can't mail you whiskey because they won't let me routine. So I had to get creative. Real creative. Real creative. We rented an entire semi-truck <laughs> to drive down to your house, Darren. And deliver it. And deliver it to you by Personally. hand. I am a sucker for giant gestures, which I wrote in your note. And I hope you fucking enjoy it, you assholes. <laughs> Yeah. So you have your fucking whiskey now. I want to hear nothing but lovely comments about us from every episode going forward. Shape up the shit. Yeah. Get your shit together. Stop telling Brian Jackson we hate him. Yeah, we love him. Because we love Brian Jackson. We hate his top fives. (laughs) I will give you, we dislike his top fives. His top five gangster movies was a travesty against America. Top five alien movies was a bit better. I will give his top five alien movies. Movie's a decent. <laughs> I'll give it a. De- I'll middle bitch it. It was middle bitched. I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah, like we'll middle bitch it. It was. It was all right. He did end up telling me his actual top five alien movies, which was much better. But his shit list, it was decent. <laughs> So uh, that feud's over now, so you can go back to loving us and saying wonderful, nice things, even though I know Darren will not listen to this and only Chris will. So love you. Yikes. Um, Speaking of Brian Jackson, shout out to our favorite Brian Jackson. Our other lovely shout out to Raya. Hi, Raya, baby girl. I left her a quick little comment back saying that she's full of positive vibes and you can just get that through the internet. You can. Like, whenever I look at her page or anytime she says something, it's so so positive. positive. And it's like a ray of sunshine and just butterflies and puppies. And And we love it. I absolutely love it because I know that it takes a lot of work to be like that because it's not that someone's naive. It's that they're choosing 
to put something positive forward. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're talking about. A big about message in this about today. Yeah. Too. yeah. And so I just think that she's just on it. She's on that right path. And I just love her. And I want to thank you for your all caps comment about how I'm funny and real. I'm like, finally. <laughs> Finally, someone agrees with she, me. Yeah, she sent me a text like, well, someone likes my honesty. Yeah, <laughs> at least one person in the world does. I appreciate that. I think uh, I'm really funny. I'm glad, you know, one other person agrees with me. Yeah. And uh, also, shout out to Frankson. Hey, Frankson. Shout out to Barry from Blue Alien Mystic. Absolutely. Shout out to Weathered Traditions. AP, we love you. Shout out to Phenomenal01, who's always on our lives. We love you. You're a sweetheart. And thank you for our very kind Happy International Women's Day message Ooh, you sent us. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, more for always sending us awesome things designed by Perry. So shout out to underscore Ollie B. I hope I'm saying that right. Yes, her name's Veronica. Perfect. And she's been sending us tons and tons of messages. We've been talking back and forth. And so hopefully here we'll be sharing a little bit of her story. Yeah, I think in our next episode where she gave us permission to share. And I think it's extraordinary. I would love to get that on air. So that's coming soon. Um, I want to take a quick moment to shout out at Inspectinate. So some of you guys know he's a little, he's he's around on our podcast now. We talk about him. We always shout him out every episode. He's a part of mine and Bree's life. And I was driving in the car the other day and this song came on the radio and it really just made me think about him. So I really just want to play a little bit of it. And we're going to sing a little bit of a slow jam Ooh, to, this is fun. to Nate. Different. Who I can't call him a certain name. So this episode we shall call him what are we going to call him this episode? Maid. Okay. <laughs> Nate, our maid. Nate the maid. Nate the maid. We're getting what song it. is it? You're going to find out. This is like a lot of buildup. Yeah. It better be a good one. Oh, it's a slow jam. Nate, baby. What a throwback. Baby girl. No, 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 no. I love the song. This is such a flashback at life. Thank you, Nate. I bet you tons of people know this song. We're going to murder this song. It's going to be disgusting. Anybody found somebody who makes you change your ways like hanging with your crew. Said you act like you're ready, but you don't really know everything that used to matter. Oh, wanna let it go. Fucked around. After all that, this is what I This is for you, Nate. Nobody wants to be alone. If you're touched by the words in the song, baby, you, Nate, when you're on the phone, hang up and you call right back. Nate, you got so got it bad. Boy, you got it bad when you're stuck in the house. You don't wanna have fun. Look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Nate. <clears throat> Somebody, you got it bad. A little special something, something for Thank you. Thank you for sticking with us tonight for the slow jams of the <laughs> evening. <laughs> this is Ozzy's Hot 100. All right. Welcome back to Ozzy's Hot 100. Thank you for tonight's slow R&B jams. That one goes out to Nate the Maid. <laughs> <laughs> 
looking fantastic. <laughs> All right, that was for you, Nate. I hope we sang it horribly, and I hope that you're very irritated by it because we'll that makes me happy. see who's left at the end of this episode with that. Yeah, seriously. Really quick, let's yeah. also shout out Covert Nerd because oh God, always. we love him. Also, shout out to Not Your Pastors Podcast. I listened to your latest episode. Shout I out that to was funky. Shout out to Baked and Awake. We appreciate you listening to us. We hope you're listening. Um, maybe one day soon we'll all get together and smoke some weed and talk conspiracy ser- theories and, and marijuana with you. Thank you for everyone else that gives us a try and listens to us and that supports us. Um, just a reminder, we are coming out with a Patreon Very soon. soon. So if you feel like being a patron, if you feel like jumping on the train, we're getting ready for all that. We'll let you guys know when that's coming. You can shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, you know, all the usual social medias that we ignore and don't go on to because yeah. all we ever do is Instagram and podcast. Yeah. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all those apps. I think Google Play just hooks to all kinds of Yeah, to all apps. kinds of things. Yeah. So Podbean, all sorts of stuff. Your favorite app, look it up, get on it. And thank you guys again. Have a good night. Oh, and also, don't forget to tune into our lives at 7 p.m. on On Friday nights. That's Pacific time. We're we're Pacific time, sure. Specific time. We're Yeah, we're specifically at 7 on Pacific time. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you guys check us out. You can come talk to us. Stare at our mildly decent faces. You know, shit like that. Mildly decent faces. Collect some space questions. We'll knock them out for you guys. While drinking. True. Yeah. Because it's Friday. Yeah. 40. 40. Hey, good night, lights. You guys, we love you. Love you. Good night. Brian Jackson, you're special. All right. That was the end of Horses Hot 100. That concludes our episode. That's not bad. like different music genres that I've listened to like throughout my <laughs> life and it's like if I would have had an old iPod you would find anything from like maybe a Lizzie McGuire song to <laughs> like yeah the, by the Lynch Hung and, and the used and the used My Chemical Romance oh absolutely My Chemical Romance like Taking Back Sunday like, and you better pray when you see me put that nine up in that pussy hoe cock it back slow rock it back and forth wait for the nut then let my trigger go boom pussy guts all over the room if you ain't seen it then you'll feel and for that meaning of that Nina of doom, two inches in and uh, four oh, inches out, out your back, that get and hit that endo sack. It's like a cannabis diva got me stuck on a strut. Full oh, all no. it takes is a weight, a fat, mean, grunt, blunt, and a stunt. <laughs> that was my shit back in the day, man. I know, and I'm thinking, like, why would why did I ever listen to this? I don't know. For the longest time, I still had like Black Market and um, what's that other one? Um, Forty ounces. Forty ounces to freedom. No, no, no. That's Sublime, and I know it was also like, Rest in Piss. Rest in Piss. Um, and then Garden Block. Yeah, and maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But I had them on my iPod for the longest time, or I Rest should say, my, I, my iPhone. His, Rest and Piss was that album. Album, but he, where he was song no, no, but where he was in Garden Block, locked up, and he would call on the phone yes, and they would record. Yes. And it's it's like super it's, dirty, but super good. It's so grungy. It's and so, it's so authentic. You're yeah. just like, oh my god. Yeah, I remember you talking. About. I love that Woody did that too. We still listen to some Woody stuff, but it's like you know, it's freaking gangster when you're listening to a rap song that was from recorded. a collective Let's call from jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they're just writing it and they call in and they're like blah, 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 with like no stuff. music or nothing, nothing, and they just have to give it to the producer and the producer has to figure out some shit I got for this. it. Yeah. 
He's like, oh. That was way back in the day. That's probably the best um, creative outlet for them. He's probably like, oh, I'll go in jail. It's cool. I'll write, like, a really good album. Yeah. It'll be fine. Take a vacation, work out a little bit, come out back buff. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, but, yeah. We used to listen to some weird music, I man. Got no love for the black. Yeah. I went the other day and listened to the entire used album. Oh, it's so fun to the, do that, um, though. I've gone through, like, one was phases it? where I've gone through... And listen to um, it was the one where it's like the little heart. It's the black and white album with like the little red heart on it. Uh huh. And it's like that's um, what album is that? Because that one song is "Take It Away" on there. Take, yeah, take, take, take yeah, take, take it away. And Lacey Fringe or whatever is like uh-huh. my favorite song, uh-huh. and I always listen to that loud. Yeah, ding, ding, I listened to the whole thing from front to back, ding, and it ding, it brought up ding, the worst ding, memories, ding, and I was like, ding, ugh. Ding, 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 ding. Even my chemical romance man, when I listen back to their like first oh, album, I'm always like, "Oh, this is rough." You know how emotional I am, like when I like when I'm in like really intense moments. It's just like so much for me. I remember the first time I saw him, when the first time I saw Jordan, it was at a, um, it, it was at one of those. What is that? Oh, Warp Tours. Warp Tour. I remember crying. <laughs> me, I remember straight crying, like so obsessed with him. Used to go to every Warp Tour. Oh yeah, and we don't mean like. I mean, like, like if there was two in this area, like, we'd go to San Francisco and Mountain View. Like, yeah, we'd go been, to both. Yeah, there was many years where I did both. Even when I lived in Florida, I went to two different ones. Yeah. That was the first time someone ever put a cigarette out on my skin. That fucking hurt like a bitch. Yeah. And then we used to go to BFD every year. All the time. We yeah, used to BFD. skip the last day of school and every year. Do BFD. And do BFD. We saw the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs there. Ooh, we saw was, like, Panic great, at the Disco. I was such a big uh, yeah, Echo yeah, and yes, the man. Mud, Bunny Man. We, we saw so many, so many bands, man. 